QD Clinic is brought to you by Room Now Live. Room Now Live, where the audience matters. Did you know that at Room Now Live we have 16 hours of CME, and nearly five hours of that 16 hours is devoted specifically to Q&A between the audience and the panel, the panel being the faculty in each of the sessions we're going to have on the various disorders, rheumatoid, we have two on rheumatoid, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, lupus, etc. So again, be part of the audience. I think you'll enjoy it. In this edition, we're going to talk about, again, ULAR 2020 recommendations on the management of rheumatoid arthritis. This is part three in a series where we're going to review the specific recommendations. Yesterday, we reviewed recommendations one through three, and now today, we're going to review four through eight. But first, before we do that, recognize that in considering your treatment options, the ULAR guidelines will point to something called poor prognostic factors. And is this an issue when you're managing your patients with rheumatoid arthritis? Many of you would say yes. What are poor prognostic factors? There's a number of them that's been previously defined, but includes persistence of disease activity despite therapy. Second, high, usually very high elevations of SED rate and or CRP. Next is a sustained high swollen joint count. Third is high titers. Fourth is high titers or rheumatoid factor and high titers of CCP antibodies. The presence of erosions obviously is an important factor. And then lastly, failure of two or more disease modifying therapies. Any combination of these would constitute someone who has a poor prognostic factors or list of factors that will weigh on the outcome and may require more aggressive therapy. So let's get into the fourth recommendation on the um, document provided by the Annals of Rheumatic Disease. Number four, methotrexate should be part of the first treatment strategy. This was in the prior guideline. Obviously, methotrexate first. It's methotrexate or die. If someone has RA, they need to be on methotrexate unless there's a strong contraindication. Why? It's our best drug. We have a tremendous amount of experience with this drug. We know what it will do. We know how long it takes. We know how to dose it. It is not just the first drug to start. It's the anchor drug upon which you build other therapies going forward. Someone doesn't respond to methotrexate and you're going to add on. Turns out, if you take methotrexate away and just add on another therapy without methotrexate, they don't do as well as keeping them on methotrexate. Yes, that's the drug that they didn't respond to. So it's the anchor drug, whether you're going to add on glucocorticoids, a conventional DMART, a biologic DMART, or a synthetic, um, targeted synthetic DMART. Uh, again, what's the dose? I started 15 milligrams. Some people still start at 10 or 7.5. The recommendations say the goal is to get to 0.3 milligrams per kilogram uh, and that you should escalate the doses every four to six weeks trying to get to a target dose. In the U.S. and, and, the, U, and the EU, that's generally a dose of 20 to 25 milligrams per week. In Southeast Asia, it's a lot less being around 10 milligrams or a little bit more. Obviously, starting methotrexate mandates that everyone should be on folic acid. Folic acid has been proven to, number one, reduce the amount of discontinu discontinuations. Number two, reduce the amount of LFT elevations. And number three, no, it doesn't lower oral ulcers and nausea, but 
And again, that's how everybody uses it. How you use folic acid or folinic acid is up to you. There are many regimens, they all work. Um, and lastly, because methotrexate is so important and because patients will read about it and think it's a cancer drug, patient education is very important. I love to say that methotrexate is a drug that we love and that patients hate because of what they read and what they're worried about. A few caveats on methotrexate. Um, when you're going to be at 15 milligrams or above, you either need to switch from PO to sub-Q or what I do is go to split oral dosing. So at 15 milligrams or higher, oral dosing has variable absorption. Um, but if you keep that at 7.5 to 10 milligrams and then do it BID on every Wednesday, you get almost 100% absorption just as you would if you went to a parenteral administration. Second, the things that screw up the use of methotrexate by patients are two key features. One, oral ulcers, queasiness, GI manifestations. The treatment there is vitamin A. 8,000 units a day, it works incredibly well. Stop me and ask me about it, I'll tell you about it. Second, the methotrexate blahs. Taking methotrexate in the next day or 36 hours, they have the blahs. CNS fatigue, can't get out of bed, don't feel like doing anything. Again, that's treated by taking, with the methotrexate, dextromethorphan. It produces a competitive uh, inhibition of binding of methotrexate metabolites, excitogenic amines, to NMDA receptors in the brain. It prevents this methotrexate blahs and other neurologic uh, and constitutional manifestations that follow methotrexate for 36 hours. You can take it with the methotrexate dose and then maybe the next day once or twice. I, I use Mucinex DM. It's got 30 or 50 milligrams of DM in it. It works really, really well. Why not recommend a biologic, since that's, everyone thinks that's our best therapies? Well, studies have actually not shown that. Head-to-head -head against methotrexate in brand new patients, biologic DMARs do not perform better, and obviously they're a lot more expensive. The question is whether or not you should use an early biologic or a late biologic. That was actually in this week's room now. The Videra study uh, by Paul Emery's group showed there was no advantage to using very early uh, etanercept when starting methotrexate in early RA patients, uh, and that the responses were basically the same as if you waited until they didn't respond for 24 weeks and then added on, and patients quickly do catch up. That's item number four on the recommendation. Item number five reads as follows. If patients with contraindications methotrexate or early intolerance occurs, you should be using leflunamide or sulfazalazine as your next best first treatment strategy. Um, they perform equally well in head-to-head -head trials, certainly methotrexate and, and leflunamide. Sulfazalazine, maybe not so much, but then again, it, it's in the same bracket. Worldwide, leflunamide gets a tremendous amount of use um, uh, because it's often the preferred drug to biologics uh, and as opposed to North America, we use more biologics second line. Um, Plaquenil didn't make the list. Hydroxychloroquine uh, in the article said that it has a limited place in the management of RA, especially early on, uh, and mainly in its use in mild RA. Clinical trials um, done a long time ago continue to show or have shown that it is clinically weak as far as efficacy, but has no evidence of structural benefit as far as structural, structural efficacy. So hydroxychloroquine is an add-on drug, not your first-line drug. Item number six, short-term glucocorticoids should be considered when initiating or changing a conventional DMARD. 
in different dose regimens and routes of administration, but should be tapered as rapidly and as clinically feasible as possible. Basically what they're saying here is it's bridging therapy while you're waiting for the DMAR to take effect. You know, your fastest effects are probably with the JAK inhibitors. Your slowest effects are gonna be with sulfasalazine, Plaquenil, and Rituximab. Everything else is, you know, six to eight to 12 weeks. Maybe you need steroids during that period to get them over the hump. Uh, they didn't specifically say who shouldn't get steroids at the outset. They said they were kind of liberal in saying that everybody should get them when you're starting therapy. Uh, and I think you need to keep in mind the short-term benefit of glucocorticoids, but the long-term hazards and risk. Again, steroids are acutely wonderful and chronically dangerous is what I tell my patients. Um, item number seven, if the treatment target is not achieved with the first conventional DMAR, that's methotrexate, leflunomide, et cetera, um, in the absence of poor prognostic factors, other conventional DMARGs should be considered. This was in the 2016 recommendation and is carried forward. What they're saying is that in the absence of poor prognostic factors, you can continue to use conventional DMARG therapy or combinations of conventional DMARGs as opposed to jumping into more expensive, more aggressive therapy with either biologics or targeted synthetics. So that's a very important uh, factor. It doesn't matter whether you switch to a conventional DMARD or add on conventional DMARDs. It makes sense to add on if you ask me. But again, that's really your choice that to be made with the patient. Item number eight, our last item for today, is if a treatment target is not achieved with the first conventional DMARD therapy and poor prognostic factors are present, remember erosion, CRP, many swollen joints, high titers, rheumatoid factor, then a biologic DMARD or a, a targeted synthetic DMARD should be added. And again, not replaced, but should be added. I think these are all important factors. And again, what's different about this from the 2016 recommendations, it said before that maybe you should use a TNF inhibitor first and then after that a targeted synthetic. Here, looking at the data, there is no particular advantage. In fact, there are studies of JAK inhibitors outperforming not just methotrexate, but outperforming uh, TNF inhibitors, mainly adalimumab in sort of head-to-head -head fashion with a background of methotrexate, suggesting that it doesn't matter whether you use a TNF inhibitor or JAK inhibitor uh, or other targeted synthetics. Right now, we only have JAKs. Uh, at this point. Um, so it's either or. Um, and again, they, they didn't say consider, they say add, like make the change, buddy. It's time to put up and, and, and make the patient get better right quick. Um, in tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about the toxicities that we need to consider before we go on to other, other treatments in patients with advanced disease or advanced therapeutics. Tune in for more on QD Clinic.